and welcome to the Lost in Possession podcast. Three mates, three different teams, three very different opinions. Coming up in today's show, a dramatic final day in the Premier League saw City crown champions once again as the Northwest continues to hoggle the silverware. Spurs confirmed top four in a not so dramatic final day between them and Arsenal. And then, of course, the relegation battle. Burnley condemned to the championship after an extensive stay in the Premier League, some would say. But of course, you know, questions are asked, can they bounce back up again? And then, of course, we move on to what's going to be a big night in Paris. Will the city of romance be a match made in heaven for Liverpool or will Real Madrid leave them brokenhearted? We will discuss that today. So, first things first, the Premier League, we finally digested it all. Um, it's all come to an end. 38-game marathon is now over. City have won yet again, retaining their title. I believe it's four out of five. Jamie, wearing your brand new Man City shirt, can you please describe us how it felt? Because it was tense for us watching it on TV. I can imagine for you at the stadium, it was a bit of a scary moment. Yeah, like um, as the sort of day sort of happened before the build-up for everything. I was sort of relaxed. And then you were sort of hearing that sort of Carl Walker might be back, Stones might be back, and it was more like, okay, we should be fine. We've got our defence and everything like that. When the team came out, obviously it was Stones, Ferdinandinho, Laporte, and um, I forgot who played left-back now. It's gone from my mind. Um, but when it was them three on that side, you were like, I was convinced it was going to be Stones right back and Fernandinho centre-back, which it did turn out to be. Some people were saying the other way around, but yeah, it came to that. And I was still, you're still sort of fairly happy. Everything was sort of the way we should set up, really. Then sort of the first 30 odd minutes before Villa scored, it was sort of, we were kind of in control. We were putting the balls across the box. There was just sort of times where it was looking like we were going to get there and it was going to be a nice, easy way. But um, as we say, typical City, we can't do anything the easy way. And when the first goal goes in, you're like, okay, one's fine. But when it got to the second and Coutinho scored, Sky were there, BT, they all would have been probably pleasuring themselves at the headlines they were making. Coutinho and Gerard have done it for Liverpool. And sadly, I was in the stadium and I generally thought it was over. It was obviously 1-1 at Liverpool. So I put on Bet365 app and I was just watching, waiting for it to turn up suspended and Liverpool goal. That's all I was hoping for. Uh, well, not hoping for, sorry. All I was just sort of hoping didn't happen. Then what can only be described as absolute carnage. How we turn turn that around in, I think the goals, it was something like five minutes, 40 seconds between all three, which um, I've heard some people went to the toilet, ended up missing two of the goals. Some people flicked over just to watch the Liverpool game, missed all three. It's just, it was, it just went berserk around the whole stadium. You were, hugging random people you didn't know. It was people were nearly sort of jumping off because I'm on the second tier. People were nearly jumping off that. It was that mental. Um, obviously, being sort of on the screen, 
you can see the atmosphere being like that, but being amongst it, it's just, there's nothing better. Um, in terms of sort of the way we scored the goals, it was, it looked like it was pretty much, unfortunately, what Real Madrid did to us. It just, the momentum went right, bang, 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 goals, just done. No one knows what's actually happened. It's just gone in. Um, and then, yeah, very nice to see us lift the trophy again, four in five years. And so that's retaining the title once again. Now we've got to try and, I think, do it all over again. Um, what did you two make of it then, George? Uh, it's crazy. It's just, you, you can't write it. Like we, we said weeks and weeks ago on the, on the podcast, you know, what a story it would be to have Villa have a chance, you know, under Gerrard to stop City and, it almost played out, you know, the perfect Hollywood script as as it always seems to, you know, always seems to happen somehow. And um, obviously, I was at the Chelsea game, kind of a non-event, but I was glued to my phone. I probably missed half the match just looking at, at, at all the notifications going on of all the games and the different scenarios. Um, yeah, I mean, what what a ride! What a way to finish the season! It, you know, we say, Reese, you said it. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And then somehow, even in a marathon, it comes down to the last you know, 15 minutes. Um, I think when you sit back and look at it, again, credit to City, they find a way to do it. You could question the mentality to go 2-0 down in that, you know, the pressure's clearly got to them, but as always, they find a way late on to, to turn it around. Um, I'd like to say you've got to feel bad for Liverpool, you know, to come that close and have the hope and then it rips apart. But what was quite interesting, despite all the drama, everything that happened, at no point during that final game, were Liverpool officially winning the title, which is just crazy to think. Um, but I was absolutely loving it as a, as a kind of neutral, you know, watching it on, on my phone. Um, with, what was I going to say? So uh, we'll, we'll talk about, obviously, next season in a different episode. I, I think the kind of City era of dominance is, is going to continue, obviously, with the signing of Haaland and that. Um, but at the end of the day, the standard has now been set 90 plus points to, to not even win the league in some cases is, is crazy. Um, and yeah, City have set now just a ridiculously high bar to win the Premier League. Um, so it's going to be tight for it's going to be tough for other teams to even, even get close, to be honest. I do want to say you said that um, you were kind of a neutral in that, but there was obviously the rumours of come on City at the Chelsea game. Oh, uh, sorry. So I should clarify. Yeah, I should clarify. <laughs> Um, so obviously I was glued to my phone and, and watching all the goals go in. Now, there was an absolute eruption, um, predominantly in the Matthew Harden stand, but when that third City goal went in, I, I don't know what source that the fans in that stand were using, but it was quicker. It was a quick update. They cheered before I even saw the goal go in on my phone. Um, so, you know, the, the kind of historic Chelsea and Liverpool hatred was, was certainly in force <laughs> on Sunday because... Yeah, the Chelsea fans were celebrating City's third goal. Um, a few chants, you know, anti-Liverpool chants were in there as well, but it was quite entertaining to, to see. Yeah, it was a great final day. Um, I think I think fair play to Wolves and Villa for actually putting on professional performances. They went out there and, you know, they had nothing to play for, but they made it perfectly clear that they weren't there to let that team win the title, you know, on their terms. Um I think a lot of questions have to be asked about Villa, the way they did crumble so quickly. 
but you know I understand that the momentum is behind Man City there just a quick question this is actually for both of you do you think if Liverpool did go on to win that title you know and City did not beat Villa would serious questions about to have been asked about Pep not you'd have to have serious questions about this season but overall no he still would it still would have been three and five years where I don't actually think there's many other managers who have done the same because now Pep's Pep's won I think the second most I don't know if it's joint I think it is the outright second most Premier League titles out of any yeah any manager obviously Alex Ferguson's <laughs> way off ahead so even you've got the Mourinho's, the Arsenal Wengers, they still haven't won. They still had won three. So it's not as if you've got to question him. It might be, you've got to question, you've got to question something if we don't go and win when we're big favourites at home. But yeah, so I, I disagree with the full full blaming of Pep, but then there would be some questions on the season. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd slightly disagree. Again, you can't knock his domestic success previously to that. But I, I think, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at one point this season, obviously we're already heavy favourites at the start of the season, but I think you were 14 points or something crazy clear at one point in the league. Um, it might not be 14, but it, but it was a significant margin. There, there, yeah, there was numerous, um, I think Liverpool had at least three games in hand on us yeah fine so, so 14 it, points but not it said 14 games. points but it wasn't and the way that sort of City and Liverpool's consistency has been technically them three three games in hand unlike Arsenal <laughs> they they win them games yeah yeah so <laughs> I, I think yeah whether it's 14 or nine or five points however you want to look at it I think in itself <laughs> To end up being that clear and then have the last 15 minutes to turn the season is obviously a bit shaky. But when you win the league, it doesn't matter. When you win it in that fashion, you'll kind of take the drama for the sake of it. Um, but if, if you if City did not win that, obviously combining that with what happened in the Champions League, you know, no Carabao final, no FA Cup final, I think you would have had to ask questions of not, not just Pep, but the squad, the mentality. Because the bottle, two of your biggest games like that would have been severe. But at the end of the day, City won't mind. Uh, they love the drama. And luckily for them, they did get the job done. Um, but it, yeah, it would have caused a few questions, I think, and a few eyebrows raised if, if they'd really lost that on the last day. Yeah, absolutely. But I think as well, we need to give credit to both in the fact that, you know, you think Man City lost their first game of the season. You know, that's that was a they were already playing catch up straight away. And then of course Liverpool went through that slight rocky period where they didn't win in three. Um, but of course remained unbeaten at home once again. Um so it was a really good um title race, actually, probably one of the best that has ever been been in the league. And I think I think Liverpool pushed them all the way, despite probably not not being expected to by many. So, of course, even though the quad dreams over, the treble is is very much still on, which, of course, we'll touch upon shortly. So we've got Liverpool confirming second. Chelsea, of course, rounding off third. Let's quickly touch upon uh, fourth, which was taken by Tottenham, who will now be joining the other three in the Champions League. What do we make of sort of their season? Because obviously it wasn't a dramatic final day between those two teams, as it could have been. You know, Arsenal decided that 
to, to put on a good performance, even though they didn't need to against a very weakened Everton team. But it just proved too much for Arsenal in the end. Uh, what do we make of Spurs and how they've changed under Conte? Uh, start with you, Jamie. Well, you have to say it's sort of, every, sort of, I think everyone at the start of the season went the top four is done. So for Spurs to get, get that, they've technically overachieved this season because everyone thought it would be the top three plus United. Obviously, United have done terribly this season, which we'll probably touch upon. But for Spurs to go in and grab it like they have, because they had the Arsenal game, like that game could be because Spurs had to win that game. That's a lot of pressure in the in North London derby and go and do it. I think I'm not going to say the whole mentality has changed at Spurs because that's way too early to say. And I've seen a lot of comments saying that they can go and win the league and the Champions League now. That's just another complete another matter. <laughs> like, but they are they've done really well. They've obviously kept the players that they wanted. Obviously, they had the whole Kane saga at the start of the season. So that could have impacted them. Obviously, they beat us on the first day. So that obviously wasn't a major factor, but it still would have damaged it. And then you had Nuno being sacked nearer the start of the year. Conte is obviously a fantastic manager. Jordan will know better than me with him being at Chelsea, but he's someone who wants to win leagues. So it's more whether Spurs can keep hold of him to keep this because you've got the Champions League but if you go and lose Conte it could be damaging for you like for them um, in terms of Arsenal like I say you go and beat Everton um, is it was it 5-1 in the end? Yeah 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 5-1 yeah like good I, I thought it, Arsenal at home are a different team to away and that's why I thought you'd sort of would beat Everton um, five one away. Obviously, Everton fans didn't care because they were more concerned about us winning the league. <laughs> but there was no dramas. But I'd say sort of well done to Spurs because it wasn't something people want, were expecting at the start of the season. Yeah, so I totally agree with that. I think if you ask any Spurs fan now at the end of the season, obviously the way it played out as well with Arsenal bottling it to them, they'll definitely be happy with how the season's played out. Back in the Champions League, um, you know, where players like Kane, like Son, you know, that's and managers like Conte, that the Champions League is where those players and managers, be, you know, belong. Um, overall, as a season, we've still got to be a little bit critical of Spurs. You know, we've got to remember that they were in the Euro, UEFA Conference League um, and they failed to get out of the group. So you've got to kind of, you've still got to look at the bigger picture. Um, and I'd, I'd certainly make the case that the talks you, you referenced, Jamie, of winning the Champions League and League for Spurs, you know, if if Daniel Levy signed, you know, a billion pounds away in transfers, they still wouldn't win the league. So let, let's be real. That's absolutely not going to happen. Um, however, the, the obvious argument is to say, look, if Spurs can't make it out of a, a European Conference League group, I, I probably wouldn't give them much chance of the Champions League. However, it's a big deal for the club. And it looks as though I've seen rumours already that as a result of, of their Champions League qualification, uh, Levy is going to give Conte around 150 mil to spend. Um, assuming those rumours are true, obviously that, that's... That's been, that's been slightly confirmed, yeah. They've got an extra 150 million in yeah. capital. That's been confirmed yeah. by Spurs. 
Yeah. So that is something that obviously makes the transfer window more exciting for them as well to strengthen. Yeah, so exactly that. Going back to your point, they need Conte to stay. 150 million will absolutely do the job. Champions League spot will absolutely do the job. Um, so Spurs will be a threat next season, but they're not going to win the league and not going to win Champions League. Let, let, let's not get carried away. And sorry, just a quick point on Arsenal. Um, fifth, again, we, we said it, but at the start of the season, you probably would have taken fifth. Um, so in the bigger picture, yes, it's been okay for Arsenal. The fashion they bottled the Champions League spot that they were in, you've obviously got to look at and say it's pretty poor. But when you look at the reasons behind it, it's very obvious. We've, we've already done an entire episode on, on Arsenal's mentality. Spurs have Conte. Experienced manager, gets the best out of players, gets the mentality right. Arteta, inexperienced, young team. That's the difference. That's why, that's the only reason why Spurs have got fourth and Arsenal have got fifth. A better manager and slightly more experienced squad. And for me, that's how it's going to continue for a while. Okay, very interesting. Yeah, lots of good points there. You know, just building on that, I think I think both would be should actually be very happy with the way their seasons have panned out. You know, considering how Spurs were under Nuno. Of course, my opinions on that appointment uh, were clear before beforehand. Of course, before we started this podcast, um, and I think Arsenal are growing each and each and every time. I know we'll do a grading of each team's uh, season performance in the season. For another day, but I think Arsenal should be proud of what they've done. Um, and I would argue that it was important for them to not end the season on a whimper, otherwise, that would have set the standard in. But both teams look set to invest and both look to be ready to compete again in what I think could be will be an even more competitive, competitive league next year. Now, of course, we can touch upon other teams. You know, we've got Manchester United confirming sixth, although I'm sure everyone would have thought it'd have been a lot higher. West Ham take the Conference League place, you know, in seventh. And then the league does filter out from there until we get right down into the doldrums. And, of course, we confirmed our final three for relegation. Two had already been done by then in Norwich and Watford, who have probably really enjoyed very miserable seasons, even if, even if they weren't expected to stay up. Burnley is probably the big, the big talking point, really, out of the three. Sacking Sean Dyche in the hope of a potential rebound under Mike Jackson. Of course, he couldn't provide any thrillers for, for Burnley there. And Leeds ended up staying up just in the end there by the skin of their teeth. But you could argue that there's plenty of work that can be built on for Jesse Marsh um, for next season. What do we, what do we think of uh, the relegation here? You know, did we feel that that team were going to, that Burnley were going to go down? Where do we see them coming back from this? Of course, you know, they're going to get a parachute payment, but lot of uncertainties around their finances at the moment you know maybe Mbappe can lend them a few quid from his signing on fee but you know we don't know that just yet so Jordan kick us off you know what do you make of the relegation fight you know happy that Leeds are up sad Burnley are down couldn't care less either way what do you think uh, no I'm a bit impartial you know there's a bit of more of a rivalry with Leeds from, from a Chelsea perspective but you know it, you know they're, they're a bigger club than Burnley let's put it that way so in that sense I guess you'd rather see them in the Prem um, obviously Burnley we've got to give Burnley credit right everyone said they were you know for years and years I feel harsh calling them a championship side but it, it just felt like it was kind of knocking on the door obviously we, we said before Sean Dyche phenomenal job to keep them up for 
six years, I believe it was. Um, and and look, we 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 all three of us were kind of a little bit torn on whether that was the right or wrong decision. I guess in the end, they got the new manager bounce, but it wasn't wasn't sustained enough. Um, so maybe sacking Sean Dyche in hindsight was probably wrong. Um, Burnley, if Burnley can keep um, the likes of Weghorst, um, McNeil, um, Cornet, I think they'll bounce back straight back up because they're real quality players. But if they lose them, which I think is probably highly likely, I think we could see Burnley resign to the championship, you know, like a bit like a Stoke kind of vibe. Um, for a few years on the flip side with Leeds again Jesse March credit to him he's done a good job he's had his critics you know seemingly just for being American and having an accent which I think is very harsh <laughs> um, but you know he's done a good job to survive yes it was late the the issue for me for Leeds is is who's their best player Rafinha he looks like he's going to Barcelona we've been linked with him as well Calvin Phillips Couple, couple of links with City. Other clubs could come in for him. Um, you know, they've had injuries. So for Leeds, big summer ahead. They need to strengthen because there is a high chance they're going to lose some of their best players. And if they concede any more than they did this year, they will be absolutely buried to, to 20th position. Um, but yeah, it's good to see a big club stay in the Prem. I think with the sort of Leeds point you were saying there with the conceding, they did have horrific injuries throughout the season, especially in their defence. So that could have been sort of a big argument why they're down there. And to be fair, Everton also had the same. Now, you'd still expected them to probably do a bit better than they did, but injuries obviously can be a big factor. Um, I was obviously very sort of, I thought getting rid of Daesh was the wrong move but I've got absolutely no love lost of Burnley going down. They were one of the um, eight clubs that sort of complained about Man City when they had absolutely zero right to be involved in that conversation. So they can go down, they can stay down. I couldn't care less about them. But on a on another factor which involves sort of City is they're in talks with company to be manager. I hope he doesn't go there because... I like company, obviously. Hey, Burnley, Burnley is in talks. With yeah, Burnley are in okay. with company for manager. Um, it's sort of, I, yeah, I've got no love lost with Burnley. Like, it's very well done because, like you said about the championship, they were on a championship budget. That's what they were on. And Sean Dyche was doing a phenomenal job keeping them in the league and quite comfortably in some of them sort of you'd expect them to be fighting relegation. Sometimes they're actually just safe a few games before the end of the season, which was really not expected. Um, it sort of with Leeds, obviously Leeds are sort of like quite a big, are quite a big club, obviously. Um, got fantastic support. It's sort of, I think it would benefit the Premier League more than I say a Burnley would. I know it's quite harsh on Burnley, but like I said, I've got no love loss with the way they come out. So I'm going to be as harsh as possible, really. <laughs> um, with the players that they could lose, like Burnley, the ones you mentioned, I think they will lose quite a few. There's a few players who are also out of contract for the end of this season, so they're going to leave on a free. It generally could be sort of like a Sunderland style where they drop down two divisions and they'll need a massive rebuild. Um, 
obviously I don't know too much into the financials, but I've seen sort of certain people say that it's got it's got worse since the takeover. They've borrowed on debt against the comp against the club and stuff like that. And if they do drop down, it could be very, very bad for them. Um, but yeah, so I was fairly happy with Leeds. Leeds obviously had to get a point against away to Brentford, which hasn't been an easy place to go this season. So full credit to them for doing that. And then Newcastle go and went away and sort of send them down. What about you, Reese? then? Yeah, at the end of the day, the table doesn't lie. You finish where you deserve to finish. Burnley, every year you get one team that's a consistent mid-table Premier League club eventually goes down. I think a lot of that is because there's only so many times you can improve the squad unless you want to break the bank and go big. They've never really done that. It's been the same sort of thing every single year. So it's not much of a shock that they've gone down. Um, I, I disagree with the whole they could be in serious trouble again because I, I think obviously they're going to lose Tarkowski. I think Pope's got his England uh, future to be thinking about. Um, but they've still got a lot of experienced professionals there, Ben Me being one of them, um, and a couple of others as well. So I think they'll keep quite a lot of their core squad. Um, and I think that the money they'll make from sales will be quite good so they can reinvest. Last time that happened to them, they got relegated. They went and signed Andre Gray, for example, and he finished up championship top scorer. They went up champions. So it's all about just how they invest it. Um, but I think they need to get the appointment right, first of all. I'm not sure if they'll stick with Jackson. Um, they might go for someone else. But yeah, it, I, think, I think they probably need to go down to just rebuild and, and find their feet again. Um, but in the case of Leeds... Leeds, I mean, a horror season for them, really. They should have. A lot of that is due to the Bielsa thing. I, I know Bielsa's a legend there, but but you can't just rely on youth and not invest that money properly. You know, investing in youth is something a mid, solid mid-table team can do and above. He need They need experience, they need depth in that squad, and they had absolutely none. So Jesse Marsh was walking in a big, big disadvantage. Um, but they managed to get the job done and I think for them it's important that if they sell Phillips they sell Rafinha they get good money from bring in better players this time don't just assume that the youth are going to take it build better players and, and they'll be fine for next year I think Jesse Marsh is a good coach and I think I think he will help them get up the league but yeah I think it's been an interesting season you know I think three teams that have gone down let's be honest we shouldn't all be too surprised you know when you sell when Norwich are selling your best player their best player before the season started. What are you going to expect? You know, Watford, who sack managers, you know, every single day. More than Chelsea. Yeah. More than That's Chelsea. What do they expect? And then Burnley, who, even though I agreed with the Dutch sacking, Burnley just seemed to build up a little bit of momentum and then lose it when they shouldn't lose it. You know, I look at the Norwich defeat uh, just a few games ago as their big catalyst as to why they weren't going to stay up. But yeah, it is what it is, and that's how the season's looking. Um, it'd be interesting to see who replaces Burnley. Would it be Nottingham Forest or Huddersfield, you know, as they meet on Sunday? Before we talk about the Champions League, do either of you have a prediction for that? Who's going to win? I, I, I'm i going Forest. Um, as I said, similar reason. I think their, long, their return to the Prem is long overdue. The, the turnaround Steve Cooper's put in is just sensational. Um, and they are a big historic club, and I'd, I'd love to see them back in the Prem. 
Well, I want to stick with Forrest, like I think we said on the sort of when we spoke about the playoffs. However, Huddersfield have been in this position more recently than Forrest. So it might be Forrest might the occasion might get to them. So it's not as if Huddersfield are out of this, even if we do predict Forrest. But I'm just going to go with Forrest. I think I think it'll be a tight game. One one goal. It'll be about one one goal about it. Yeah, interesting. I'm I'm going to stick with Forrest, and I think they'll surprise quite a few next season um, with a quality manager like they have in Cooper. But it should be a very even game, actually. Both teams took points off each other last year, uh, winning one each. So, you know, definitely all to play for um, in that regards. So, moving on, let's talk about the big game in Paris, which, of course, City are not there. Um, despite everyone saying that they were going to be, myself included. Liverpool-Real Madrid, a repeat of the 2018 final. Will it be a repeat of the same result, i.e. will Real Madrid win it? What do we think? Are, are Liverpool going to complete a treble? Not the treble, but a treble nonetheless that I'm sure we'd all like to have. Uh, Jordan, let's start with you. What are you thinking about this game? Are you looking forward to it? Are you expecting much of a shock or an exciting game? Or do you think it's going to be a penalties sort of yeah, scenario? No, knowing coin flip clock, um, it'll probably end on pens. But um, obviously, uh, we're repping the Real Madrid today. Um, I I think it'll be a great game. Uh, Real Madrid have shown enough this season. They've knocked out three of the favourites in every single round. Um, they've shown it doesn't matter how much they're outplayed or outrun or whatever. They've always got a chance. They've always got a chance because of that quality in, in you know, Kroos, Modric. Modric um, and Benzema. He only needs one chance. Um, so I, I expect that Liverpool will probably dominate overall in terms of chances, possession, shots, the rest of it. But I do just think Madrid can nick it. Uh, if you had to push me for a score prediction, I'd probably say 1-0 in, in normal time and maybe a 2-1 win to Madrid in extra time. Um I think it's going to be an entertaining game. It's going to be a tight game. And yeah, I, I, hopefully uh, Madrid can find a way to, to take out one more sort of titan of football um, and get the job done. But it's, it's not going to be an easy ride whatsoever. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree. Well, my, to be honest, my head is saying Liverpool are going to win this. I'm probably going to go with a 3-1 Liverpool, but... I want Real Madrid to win it. Um, it was more being anti-Liverpool than pro-Real Madrid. Um, it's Yeah, I think it's actually going to be quite a... It's going to be a game, I think, like Jordan said, where Liverpool are going to have majority of it. Um, but obviously, if you look at the sort of... Not form of Liverpool, but the play, the way they've been playing... They haven't exactly been on their top form. I think their best performance was actually the Southampton game where they rested seven of their players in terms of actually the way they played. Um, I haven't watched the Wolves game, being totally honest, but it sounded like Wolves had a chance to get in that game. So Real Madrid will get chances. And if Benzema's on form, he could be getting one, two goals from two chances. It's It can be like that. Um, 
I'm yeah, I still can't. I want to say Real Madrid, but I just can't get away. I just think Liverpool are better than them. Real Madrid have, I know it's they've rode their luck and got through in three rounds. It means they can do it again, but I just, I just can't. Sometimes that luck's got to stop. So I'm, I'm going to go with a Liverpool win. Yeah, three one is my prediction for that. What about you, Reese? Yeah, it's the toughest one. I always believed that City would win one, Liverpool would win the other. However, I thought it would be the other way around. Um, I think I can see penalties happening and, and Liverpool winning on penalties to make it a treble-treble in that sense. Um, I don't know. I think it's hard to say because you just... Either team, when either team is up against it, they still get a result. And that's why they're both such good champions, you know, such good winners um, in a way. I think, you know, I look at the Liverpool players and think they're going to be desperate for revenge after the first time. Um, and what's important for them is they, it's not even shutting Benzema out of the game. It's its making sure they prevent Real Madrid from creating chances. That's their big thing because Real Madrid can create a chance out of absolutely nothing. So they need to really hear that. And, with Mane's work ethic and Salah's form and, and, you know, Henderson, if he is playing in that position on the pitch or Fabinho, it will be a lot more difficult for Madrid. But yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say Liverpool. I think, I think they'll do it. I do want to add on that. I think Thiago is possibly out. There's sort of, I've seen rumours that he is out, seen rumours that he can, he will be fit. Some say 50-50. So I'd say it's a 50-50 whether he starts I do feel that would be a big thing for Liverpool. He's been very sort of... I'm not his biggest fan. I think he's been overhyped massively by Liverpool fans, who hasn't really, but um, he is still a big key part in that midfield and helps with the sort of creating of chances that I think could sort of... Like, if they lose him, their depth in sort of like a playmaker as such isn't as good as say other teams but it is mainly down whether I think it it literally depends if the front three of each team are on form and who's if one's not on form and the other is that's that's the way it's going to end but just a quick point that we've not mentioned yet um Liverpool have got the ace up their sleeve that's not yet delivered this season in any of the big games not had the chance to the one, the only, Divock Origi. Now, he's in the he's in the squad. He's a cult hero at Liverpool, and he always doesn't do anything all season. Then turns up and wins him a trophy. Could we see a Saturday night Divock Origi wins in the Champions League, walks away and, and absolutely probably has a statue. Quite frankly, would would be deserving uh, if he won them the Champions League. Could he? Could he? Could he do it for him before he signs off to AC Milan? It'd be a fairy tale for his last game, wouldn't it? But if Klopp's sort of struggling, seeing that I think the front three will probably be Salah, Mane, Diaz. If one of them's not performing, I don't think he goes for Origi. He goes for Jota. Then after that, he might go for Origi. But if you want that fairy tale, you can <laughs> you can think about it. But I hope not. But I think it. I think they'll win. 3-1 in normal time and they won't need the Origi. 
they might bring him on in the last minutes or waste some time kind of thing and get the applause. But that's about all I can see from that sort of fairy tale one you want. Yeah, I agree there. I think, I mean, I'm not sure what his penalty taking's like, but I don't think Liverpool would bring him on just to take a penalty. You know, and there's probably better players than that on the pitch. I think it's going to be one of them, like a swan song, you know, game's over. Um, with a minute to go, bring him on, that sort of thing. Or if they need a goal, that they could potentially bring him on. Um, I see that happening. But, yeah, I mean, he's been a great servant to the club, despite not featuring much. He's certainly delivered when it matters. And I think if a lot of clubs can sign a player like that, they'd be much more successful. Um, but, yeah, you know, remains to be seen. Will Real Madrid make it full team time lucky or will it be seventh heaven for Madrid in Paris? We'll have to find out. Well, that, Jordan, that, do you want to take that, it away? I was going to say that, that nicely wraps us up for another another episode. Um, as always, let us know your score predictions for the Champions League final in the comments. Um, and just a quick point, obviously the season is reaching its conclusion, um, both in England, Europe and, and pretty much all the whole of European leagues. Um, although the players get a summer break, the, the Lost in Possession podcast will absolutely not be on a summer break. Um, so don't fear, we'll be providing you with you know, weekly, maybe twice weekly episodes still throughout the whole of the summer, transfer rumours, uh, gradings of, of, you know, an end of season review. We'll have our end of season awards coming up. Um, so there's plenty of content to look forward to in the coming months. Um, but as always, that wraps us up. Like, comment and subscribe. You know the drill. Here we go.